In moments of pressure and stress, the cracks begin to show. This is something I've often thought about for myself. Anytime I've been put in a pressure cooker situation that was out of my comfort zone, I start to crack. And it always goes back to one of three things. Either self-pity, lack of control, or the need, well, the need for control. Um, I lost my train of thought, but I'm just going to keep rambling. But basically, I know anytime that I'm really down to the wire, I have these moments where I can be clutch and I can get things done. And that was partially due to the way that I grew up, which now I recognize as a blessing uh, through multiple through multiple things. It was a lot of pain I got to that point that I realized a lot of the things that I saw as a, as a curse were a gift. Yeah. I never understood that I, I, was, I was given early on the ability to rise to the occasion and be better than I was. And because of that... In those moments of pressure and stress, I never, I was never consciously aware of the moment. In a lot of ways, I was just completely in the moment, responding, reacting, not really thinking. And that gave me the ability to be good in the clutch. But if there's a situation where I have time to think about it, those are the times that I really can't get the job done. And I'm hitting a point, I feel like, in my life and in my career that I can no longer avoid those moments. And I had one of those moments this past week where I had an opportunity for a big gig and I was going to have to learn 67 songs in three days. And it's something that I've wanted to do for a long time, play on Broadway. But the other guitarist that was supposed to play on the, on the gig, he ended up not being able to, to do it. The singer had asked him, hey, can you, I'm going to end up using someone that's played down on Broadway before. Um, and she just kind of listed off all of the reasons that she felt that way to me. And they were all very valid reasons. And every time she spoke, and listed off a reason, I felt those things about myself. Um, just something I'd never done. I don't know how I'm going to respond in the moment. She's got this great gig. I don't want to interfere with that and potentially fuck it up. Those moments of self-doubt and that hunger for perfectionism is something that holds me back. If I don't have to think about it and I just have to do it, then I can kill it. Mm -hmm. But if I get time, I always start to come undone. And I feel the fear of the moment. And I'm not used to feeling the fear of the moment. For whatever reason, for whatever circumstances, whatever circumstances that ended up being a blessing in my life, I was able to not 
really consider what the weight of a situation was. And now that I'm getting older, I recognize that in myself. And I don't know what the remedy is for that. I know anytime I start feeling that way, it goes back to the self-pity. It goes back for the need of control. It goes back to lack of trust in other human beings. I often find myself in my personal relationships. I feel like I'm a giving person, but I can be very selfish sometimes. I withhold emotion, even from myself. No one can know how I'm really feeling. It's a great secret. That's true. That's very true. <laughs> and it's not something I'm proud of, you know? I mean, I, I'm, I say that with a smile, but I'm just starting to see that I'm hitting these roadblocks personally and professionally that are holding me back. It's, it's like I'm operating on myself in real time now. Yeah. Because I'm recognizing what the issues are. And I, I never feel like I've ever been this consciously aware of myself. Um, and that, that's a good feeling, but it's like, okay, how can I utilize that now? How can I make myself better? Yeah, I get what you're saying 100%. So, so if you're consciously aware of yourself and you, and you know something about yourself, but you can't change it or you don't want to change it, but you know you need to, then what do you do? Have you ran into that before? Yeah, I'm in the middle of that right now. Uh, except that, firstly, that I'm human. Yeah. Because I, I want to be a machine. Um, I, I wish I could be a militarized robot. That is my fantasy and my dream for myself, where I see everything, I hear everything, and nothing distracts me. But that's not realistic. I don't know. Elon Musk is probably working on something for you see, on that. <laughs> and I, I see someone like Elon Musk or someone like Jocko Willink or Joe Rogan, and they've, they've cracked the code of their formula. But these are also dudes in their 40s and their 50s who have been doing this a long time. I'm sure money helps. Money does help <laughs> because th there's that pressure and stress too of trying to work, trying to make money, trying to make sure that I can pay my bills, that I can pay you for the podcast, that I can wh whatever, th like all that shit is always on the forefront of my mind. Yeah. It never goes away. I, I, I relate to that 100%. Sometimes that's all I think about is like, how like how to pay everything getting the money to pay everything you know trying to make everything work and then trying to do music too and and everything but you know what the counter to that is we've done it every single month so far in our adult lives yeah. and you are newer to an adult life than myself but i remember feeling that way at your age it, it hasn't gone away for me and that's something that i have to i have to deal with yeah. That I have to accept and address and just be like, this is what this situation is. Yeah. There's no way around it. And I, I always feel great doing the podcast. This always feels like the center of everything. And I mean, in a lot of ways, music is too. But this the really, the, there's no one else I have to rely on to get this done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I only have to rely on myself. Um, and of course you and scheduling, uh, 
But what were you going to say? We've done pretty good. I we, mean, have, we have done pretty good. I mean, we've been posting every single week. And it's somehow always worked out. Like, so far, I mean, knock on wood, so far it's always worked out. Yeah. It's, it's, we've cut it close a few times. Yeah. We've only missed, I think, two weeks so far this year, and we're on the 28th week of the year. And I'm very proud of that. But I wish I could be, have that pinpoint accuracy with music. And deconstructing it further, I can see one of the reasons that I don't is because I'm doing so much musically. The producing, the bass playing, and then trying to do my own solo stuff. And there, there's sub shots of all of those. Mm-hmm. So producing, I've just decided that's not something I'm going to be doing again anytime soon. Unless it's like a very, like if you were doing something or something like that, you know? Yeah. Like a friend asking me, but I can't be dedicated to any projects like that. When it comes to bass playing, this is the one that I'm trying to figure out because I know playing in a lot of ways is where it all started and where it will always go back to. Um, it, It is the context that I see music through, but... There's also this other thing. It's like I feel so split because it's like I want to focus on being a solo artist as well. And it's like we had the Broadway thing. We had all of that. Or not the Broadway thing, the Blackbird thing. And I got to record some of my own solo stuff. Very stoked for that. Very fortunate to have had that opportunity. But how do I balance all of these things? Am I doing too much? And by eliminating the producing thing, I know that I'm going to be able to focus better on doing stuff and do I love producing yeah that's something I'm going to go back to but I know my skills aren't sharp enough there yet and I'm going to have to go into a period where I really focus on recording and engineering and learning more about that so I don't really know anything yeah that I mean that's one of the bigger biggest things about producing really is, is knowledge of the audio gear really and just knowing what sounds get what you know but you know the projects that you have produced have come out really well you know, I agree. And thank you for saying that. I agree. I'm, I'm super proud of everything. But the one thing that I'll notice or like for all the projects that I've produced or worked on, I've had all good people on them, which is how I always want to do it. I never want to be in a situation where it's not that way. Yeah. Or you have I, a shitty drummer. Yeah. Or I have a shitty drummer <laughs> or someone, an engineer who doesn't know what's up. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. But we haven't had those situations. I haven't fortunately had those situations I've been able because I I feel like I have a really good uh people detector you know what I mean like I can I can see how someone's gonna work and even if someone fucks up um maybe if it's not you <laughs> I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna yell at them I I would say for the most part I'm pretty understanding you've seen me work with with other people and even you uh the things that we've done together though has been illuminating. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just for myself personally, as far as the way that I interact with people and what I feel versus what I say. Because yeah. with you, I let out the full scale of whatever the emotional thought is. Yeah. And that's not always appropriate to do. It's a flaw I have. It's effective. I mean... <laughs> it's effective sometimes. Yeah. It's effective sometimes. I watch this movie... It's called uh, A Bronx Tale. Mm. It's directed by Robert De Niro and stars Chaz Palminteri, who wrote this play 
at the age of like 38 and performed it at a theater in New York for a year before he started making money on it. But he plays this gangster in the movie who isn't 100% good and he isn't 100% bad. He's a very gray character because it's about the story of this kid C and how he witnesses Sonny murder someone out on the street. And the kid has the opportunity to rat on him, and he doesn't. So Sonny starts liking him. He feels this loyalty and respect to him. But one of the things he talks about, he talks about Machiavelli. Um, And Machiavelli was, I think during the Renaissance, he he was basically like an advisor to to like royal families and shit. He wrote this book called The Prince that basically teaches you how to be a sociopath. A lot of gangsters like The Prince. One of the things that is in that book is it's better to be feared than loved if you can't be both. Mm. And I think for a long time that's how I operated. And in the movie... uh, Robert De Niro plays the little kids, the kid's dad, who eventually he grows up, he becomes a teenager, is doing shit for Sonny, gangster shit. And Robert De Niro is like the counter, the counterpoint to Sonny. He's a good guy. He's a hardworking man. He can't be corrupted. He would never in a million years do gangster shit. He's a bus driver, blue collar guy. Works, takes care of his family. Similar to our dads. You know Mm. what I'm saying? He knows the clear difference between right and wrong. Yeah. And are they both effective? Yes. And what their goals and desires in life are. But the thing is about the character of Sonny is he he never trusts anybody. He never gets close to anybody. And eventually, you know, the movie goes on. He dies. The movie comes full circle. The guy that he killed out in the street, his kid end up... The kid of the guy that he killed ends up killing him. Wow. Yeah. Um, It's a great fucking movie. If you're listening to this and you've never seen A Bronx Tale, go watch it. Go listen to Chaz Palminteri's podcast. Um... It's really fucking good. But there's a a quote in the movie uh, that Robert De Niro says to the kid multiple times. The saddest thing in life is wasted talent. And the choices that you make will shape your life forever. And that, in a lot of ways, is something I relate to. Because I wonder if I'm wasting my talent. I wonder if I'm, if I'm doing the right thing for everybody around me. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I take shit pretty seriously. You know, I, I guess I am somewhat of a serious guy. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I 100% feel that about wasting talent. Sometimes I feel like I'm pushing in the wrong directions. Of, of what I'm doing and like no matter how, how hard I try to push in the right direction I end up going the wrong direction it's like I'm trying to take a left but I'm taking rights you know it's just I feel like I'm never going where I need to be but I'm, I'm trying to go in a different direction and that's that's something that I definitely relate to is like 
I don't want to waste the talent that I have, but sometimes I'm just going the wrong way, you know, and it's hard to get back on path. Well, it's hard to know what the right path is. Yeah. Because you don't really know. I, I think anytime I feel fear or I'm going out of my comfort zone, that is the right path. Mm. Yeah. And so like the Broadway thing, that's something that's out of my comfort zone. I, the reason I'm so frustrated is because something needs to change. And that's something is I haven't been putting in the work or time that I need to on that and moving towards that goal. Anytime you pick a goal and try and move towards it, you, you have to plan. And I've never really been necessarily effective or good at that because it leaves me too much time to think. Mm -hmm. And again, when I think it comes back to self pity, the need for control or the lack of trust in others, I can respond in the moment and make big moves very quickly. But with that, there have been some really ugly failures along the way, which I'm very grateful for because it taught me what risks are worth it and what risks aren't. Yeah, 100%. I mean, you're always good in the, in the clutch, you know? Like, that's been proven as we've been roommates, you know, because yeah. of decisions that you've made and, you know, things that have happened. But I, I, get, I get that with the overthinking thing, you know? overthinking is, is I would say one of my biggest flaws too. It, it's difficult to control because I'll just think on, on one thing all day or I'll wake up thinking about something and then that'll just linger with me the whole day. But what good does it do? Nothing. I don't get anything done with it. Yeah. And it makes you very ineffective at wh whatever you're doing in that very moment. Yeah. I mean, there's been times when like <clears throat> I've said something to someone and I've thought about, how they reacted to what I said all. And I'll think about that all day long. Yeah. I'll think about it from the time I wake up till the time I go to bed. And, um, that's not healthy. I mean, I'm sure that they don't even remember that whole conversation. Well, I can relate to that as well though. Cause it's like you, you do that in the moment and it's completely done for them. And they probably haven't even thought about it since whatever the words were that left their mouth. Yeah. Cause at the end of the day, no one really, cares one day we're all gonna die yeah that's just like a that's i consider that whole thing an anxiety problem like that's just like a like i have add which you know i get anxiety from that but like that just in general like fear uh being overwhelmed and overthinking that's like a pure anxiety problem of just like and i feel that like most days some days are worse than others for sure but like I've been trying to, to think more clearly about, you know, if, if I have a conversation like that with someone where that lingers with me, I try to like push it, push it past, go past it. What I've learned through meditation is those are just thoughts. We are separate from our thoughts. We are not our thoughts. Yeah. And it's hard to think about because you have this internal dialogue. I have... We all have an internal dialogue of how we talk to ourselves and the kind of things we say. Yeah. And my, my personal internal dialogue is very self-critical. It's very, why didn't you do this? Confrontational. And that was something that I developed, again, through need, need for control, lack of trust, and self-pity. 
Yeah. And then I start feeling bad about not doing something. I feel bad about not practicing. Guilty? Yeah. Well, not necessarily guilty. I don't feel guilty. Is guilt something that you feel? Sometimes. Yeah. Like if I, if I work too long, if I say I, I take on a 16 hour day and I'm too tired to practice or go to the gym, especially like practicing, I, I feel guilty about it. You know, I, I feel extra guilty about it. like, I feel like, dude, you should have like been able to do it. Like you should have done it. Or if I don't go to the gym for a few days, I'll be like, dude, you got to get with it. You know, like, what are you doing? And then, then it seems like once I actually do those things, I don't actually feel better about the situation. I just feel like, okay, now you need to practice tomorrow. Yeah, I, I can relate to that in a way. But that comes back to the internal dialogue. Mm -hmm. Like anytime I start feeling anxiety is when I'm thinking in the future. Dude, thinking in the future is, is very dangerous. Because, and that's why I've started taking, taking it as like, when people ask me about the future and, and especially like family, that's the hugest thing, dude, um, is, is they'll be like, so what's your plan? And, you know, that, that's a question that's like cuts deep to every musician. Cause it's like, I don't know what the fucking plan is. Like sometimes, you know, like I got to take things day by day and like just go day by day right now. Because if I start thinking about the future, if I start thinking about what's going to happen in 20 years, I'm going to freak the fuck out. Like, um, and that's, you know, that's why I've been trying to like really get present. Well, for me, one thing that helps is that breakdown. I like breaking things down. And I guess to contradict what I just said earlier, I can be a, a pretty good planner and a, a pretty good executor of the plan. But it's just those moments when I go outside of my comfort zone and those, those comfort zone moments are how you grow. I, when I feel fear now, I'm not afraid of that feeling, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like I used to be afraid, like I don't know what the shit I'm doing. Uh, but if I start feeling that feeling, I accept it um, I can accept it now because even if uh, I can think back to a gig that I had when I was 23, I was going to be playing with Matt Fogg at a wedding. Yeah. He had given me all the sheet music for it. I knew I had to be ready by this date and this time, yada, yada, yada. It fucked me up mentally. I was terrified. I had gone through a full range of emotion. I felt like I couldn't do it. I felt like I was going to fuck up, yada, yada, yada. But in the end, what I did was I buckled down mm -hmm. and every day for a week, I just worked, 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 worked on trying to learn the songs. And I did pretty decently on the gig. Um, I did pretty decently on the gig and Matt told me, nice job, yada, 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 whatever. Um, but... I think about that feeling. I was so emotionally strung out. Mm -hmm. Like that's what it ends up being for me. I get into these, these moments of emotional, um, being emotionally strung out and being stressed out and not being able to handle anything. Yeah. I'd like burnout. Is it similar emotionally, to that? Yeah. Emotionally burnout. Oh, mm -hmm. dude, I feel that. I mean, it's very easy to do. Very easy to do, I think. 
you know, just getting overwhelmed with everything and just burning yourself, burning your, like, it's like when you wish your mind would just shut up, you know, but at the same time, you don't want to just go into autopilot in your life, but you also want your mind to not There are moments I think that that autopilot is okay though. Mm -hmm. Like when you're having to really execute and you're down to the wire on something, it can't be done all the time. And I think for myself, as I always have this fantasy of being that way all the time, where I'm just a disciplined machine. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I I feel that like some days if I'm just like slacking off and and not doing much, like I just want to like, I'll snap out of it and get back into being disciplined in everything that I'm doing. And um, that feels good. And I wish that I could stay in that. But then like you just wear down and then you're, back into where you were, you know? I think the process of your 20s living in America, and as a musician, I'll even go further down the line, in Nashville, is you're figuring out where your weak spots are, and Mm -hmm. you don't even know that you have them until you encounter them. But what I've learned is I see the patterns in myself now, if that makes sense. Yeah. I can see the patterns in myself And I can be self-aware of what I'm feeling and what I'm thinking. Because feeling and thinking are two separate things. Yeah. And for a long time, I thought they were the same thing. How how do you think they're different? Like, what do you do? What do you? Well, thinking, I mean, we already talked about that. Yeah. You can, you can think your way into anything, Mm -hmm. anything good or anything bad, but mostly bad. It's a happy accident when you think yourself into a good thing. Yeah. Feeling is more so whatever the emotion is that a certain situation is making you feel. Like fear is a feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Anxiety are thoughts. This is true. Anxiety is not necessarily a feeling to me. It could start manifesting itself as a feeling. Yeah. But really, it's their thoughts, uh, stringing together a series of negative thoughts and negative self-talk, which I love to do. I love to feel sorry for myself. Yeah, I feel, I feel like a lot of people can relate to that on some degree, you know, um, of just like overthinking about either one thing and having that feeling um, or manifesting it in that way, you know. You can definitely manifest negative thoughts into the world. Yeah, and put yourself into a bad situation mentally. Mentally and physically, I guess. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Um, I I feel like that. Like when I was going through weight loss, um, I I was always thinking bad about myself. You know that. You know? And I I really manifested that in in a sense of just like, all that self-hatred just like from overthinking that to becoming that just that's the way I feel felt all the time you know when you're in those moments they feel like they're gonna last forever Mm -hmm. and it's never gonna stop and sometimes you just can't help but be on the side of the river when you wish you were going downstream you know that was a millhouseism right there it dude it's true it's true I know exactly what you're saying yeah I mean I can I can think back to so many things in my in my 20s where I thought myself into a bad situation. It's like you can 
really fuck a lot of shit up. You can you can completely change your trajectory of whatever your situation is, even if it's a good one. Even if things are going good. Nobody nobody ever has the thought about a rainy day on a sunny day. No. But there's three things that happen in life. There's three modes of life. You're either just getting out of a storm, you're in a storm, or you're just leaving one. Yeah. Well, well I guess those are all pretty similar. But, or you're about, you're about to go into a storm. Yeah. So really, like I, I noticed for myself too, and by a storm I mean when things happen in life that are bad, that you can't control, that are outside situations. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like your car broke down, your landlord's kicking you out. All those things seem to swirl and happen at the same time. Yeah. And you have to learn how to flow with the whatever the storm is and hope that's going to bring you to shore. You got to take some punches, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you got to learn how to take some punches, you know. My the biggest thing my mom ever told me cuz I used to stress about every single little thing during my like teenage years and uh child years I guess is she told me to roll with the flow that was her biggest thing just roll with the flow just, you know and she would tell me that over and over because I would just freak out about everything and I still do I still do freak out about a lot of things you know that yeah you know <laughs> when your radiator's overheating and your car's on the side of the road you know or truck's on the side of the road <laughs> I'm going to freak out we all have something that we're, we're dealing with. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. We all have our own. We're, we all have flaws. Mm -hmm. Every fucking single one of us. I don't care who you are. We all have flaws. And it's inescapable. Well, the thing is about our flaws is we think that our flaws are visible to everyone else, I guess. Or that's the way I feel. Is like sometimes I'll think that everybody just knows my flaws like... Once they look at me, well, and it gets in my head. Here's what I'll say. Um, I had someone very wise tell me once: the things that we often dislike about ourselves are things that other people dislike about us too. That's interesting, and that really weighed pretty heavy uh, on me. Not in a bad way. I was like, "Holy shit!" I can think of every conflict I've ever had with a person. And again, it goes back to one of the three things that I mentioned earlier. Yeah. It always goes back to one of those three things. And uh, it's due to whoever I'm having a conflict with also not liking those things about me and my flaws intertwining with their flaws in a situation happening. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I never see... Right off the bat, what the flaws with everyone is. Sometimes, I mean, unless it's like out there, you know, like me and you've uh, encountered some situations yeah. where I could clearly see the flaws that were on a person. Yeah. But like, I don't walk into a room and be like, yeah, that guy hates himself. That's his flaw. I don't know, you know? People reveal what they don't like about themselves through just the way they talk and the way that they act. Yeah, their attitude is, is a huge thing. I mean, we've encountered that with people that we've both had conflicts with. Yeah. 
and and just just attitudes everything about that well it can be not even just people out in the world because people out in the world but it's also things like family friends yeah professionally yeah it can be any number of things for sure for sure yeah uh, I, I definitely feel that um it, it's interesting yeah yeah i mean the, the the wide spectrum of human beings that there are on this planet and we're we're all very different and we're all very similar i, I feel like sometimes we're sim- more similar than we think we are more similar than, I, than we think. I feel like there's multiple wavelengths that, that each of us ride on, and some people are on the same wavelength, and then others are on a, a completely different one. Yeah, but they have other people who are on, that, on that, save, yeah. that same wavelength with them. Yeah. Um, just like, you know, Ryan, my buddy Ryan. Yeah. Um, or Cerebral Cortex. You know, he rides on a completely wa- a different wavelength than I do. But you know what? He rides on a similar wavelength to Isaac from the Weird Sisters. Yeah, they're both very similar. And um, I think, you know, that's crazy. But in a way, though, like, you know, we might be on on similar or different wavelengths, but we're still best friends, you know? We're still extremely close. So, you know, we just don't think alike on a lot of different things. No. Bill no, House... <laughs> I think it's safe to assume that you don't think like many people I've ever even met. <laughs> I'll take that as a compliment for today. Yeah, yeah. You can take it as a compliment, bud. Take it however you need to. But, like, for instance, that that in itself, like, you think very differently from the way that I think about things. Oh, yeah. We think totally fucking different. I feel like I might be a little bit more optimistic. Maybe a little bit more positive than you about some things. And then some things you might be a little bit more positive about. Sure. You know, that's fair. You're positive about some things that I would be negative about. And I'm uh, positive about some things you would be negative about. Uh, Give an example. Baseball cards. What about them? You know, I don't know. Okay. So I'm into baseball, but I'm, I'm not like crazy about them, but you are. You know, I guess that's a, that's a shitty example, but like, uh, no, kinda, I mean that, that, that just comes down to like taste. And yeah. That's, likes that's and just what, taste, but what people are into, you well, know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, but just the way we think, okay, here's a good example. Um, you're more of an abrasive type, I guess, of like, you speak your thoughts. You're more in the forefront of, of things going on. And I'm more laid back in the sense that I'm not probably going to talk that much, you know? That's just like two different personality types. That's like one way that we're very, yes, very, very different. But I'll say for this, you've, you met me when I was 27 versus when I was your age. Yeah. And I was 10 times worse because it was just filled with abrasiveness, insecurity, and arrogance. Yeah. Which... It is good fuel for a moment, a brief moment, but then you have to deal with the aftermath. Yeah. So you might get a situation done. I was able to get things done, but long-term, not a good strategy. Well, yeah, I mean, you can burn a lot of bridges that way. I did. Oh, yeah. I mean, but like I'm on the opposite side of that spectrum as in I'll keep bridges that I don't want or need. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I won't burn a lot of bridges even if I have to. Even if I should, if it's good for my mental health to burn a bridge, I won't do it. You know? Why do you think that is? I'm a bitch. (laughs) 
But why do you think no, that is? I mean, it's just because I don't, I don't know. I care too much about, even if it's the shittiest person on earth, I care too much about what they think, you know? And that's not a good, that's not healthy. No, no. I mean, I agree. I, I think I cared when I was younger about what people thought about me and everybody wants to be liked to a certain degree. Yeah. But I did have older people and mentors tell me you care about what people think. And it's still something that is a puzzle puzzle to me today where I didn't really give a fuck at the end of the day. And that was due to my, my own flaws. You know what I mean? That was due to my own flaws where it was like in the moment I cared, but it would go away as soon as the situation passed. Yeah. And I wouldn't give a fuck. I mean, I, I don't know if I'd necessarily even consider that a flaw, though. I mean, it can be a flaw if you push it far. I always it, push it far. <laughs> yeah, but like if you like tone it back a little bit, I mean, it could really be a positive thing, though. I mean, for me, it's like I have to work on on being forward and being like, you know, speaking my opinion and saying what I actually think and doing. Like you did with Pete Buttigieg. <laughs> I don't actually, you know, I don't, I don't do that. I don't say what I think a lot or I'll withhold thoughts or withhold my opinion a lot of cases. Uh Uh-huh. Whereas, you know, I'm trying to push past that and be a little bit more forward. Is it that you're nervous of the, uh, of the criticism that could come from, from someone? I would say that it's the want to be liked. It's the want to be liked and the want to adapt to the situation that I'm in and, become whatever I'm supposed to be in that moment instead of being exactly who I am. Mm-hmm. And I did that when I came to Nashville. I really changed when I came to Nashville. Um, and it took me a while to get back to actually thinking the way I am. But I would hang out with people that I had no business really hanging out with, that I'm not really, don't relate to, don't have much in common with, you know, or... What I'll, what I'll say to that is is that is very much a side effect of being young Mm. because you're trying to figure it out especially in a town like nashville like we're here and we're all doing something we're all in a big city and it's like that with dating with music whatever you're working on yeah so it's just being young that's that's what that is you'll figure out what you what you like and what you don't like and I, i i would say even now you have a better idea of it than when we first met you know you're very shy when we first met and reserved um, but you've slowly come out of your shell and I've seen you grow a lot, uh, just even a couple of weeks ago, you know, I get, I, when I called you one day, you sounded like horribly depressed and I hadn't heard you like that in a long time. Yeah. I think, you know, the situation I'm talking about, Yeah, you were working a lot, you were going through something personally and I could tell something was up. And previously, I would have just dug in and asked a million questions, but I figured out Millhouse will come talk to me when he's ready to talk about whatever the situation is. We had talked about it a little bit, and I could I could smell it. Yeah, I could smell it because I had been in those situations before. Yeah, it it was difficult. It's it's still difficult, you know. Um, and for me, it's like when I'm going through a phase like that where I'll get real down because, that, I mean, that's happened before. It's like I'll just have to think on it for a really long time, which is bad for me, but that's what I'll do before I'll even I'll say anything about it. Well, when you have those feelings, you have to process it. 
yeah. process them. You have to process what it is that's inside of you making you feel that way. And there's no other way to do that than the thinking about it. It's a catch 22. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it'll wear on you, especially if you're going through something personal and you're working like a lot and all you're doing is working. So while you're at work, you're just constantly thinking about the bad shit that's going on in your life, you know, and then you're tired from work. So you don't feel like doing anything. You don't feel like going out because you're you know, down for talking count. to anyone, interacting with people. Yeah. You don't feel like hanging out with anybody or doing anything. And you know, that's what I call like the, the stress sleep situation where I'm just like going home and going straight to bed and then getting up, going to work, coming home, going straight to bed. And usually for me, and I'm sure like, I'm sure I know there's a lot of people that will relate to that is when you're going through something like that, it's just, it's very important to get present with like yourself, you know what I'm saying? To yeah. like live, live in the present of like, I don't know how to explain that, but just don't think about the future or the past. Just like try to, try to get with yourself in that moment. Well, those are the moments that it's important, important to recognize a feeling versus recognizing a thought. Mm -hmm. And if you're feeling a bad feeling, you have to figure out why that feeling is again it's that catch 22 you have to think about it yeah um i know for myself a lot of like my emotions i'm not necessarily a very emotional person no <laughs> i mean yeah i mean and it turns a lot of people off because they say you know i don't know especially with dating i don't know if you like me like yeah you know what i mean or even professionally but like there's people that I found. Okay, so my my friendship with Josh. Mm -hmm. Josh, in a lot of ways, we are polar opposites. Absolutely. He has always has a sunny disposition. And I'm not even saying that I don't have a sunny disposition because sometimes I do. Mm -hmm. But I guess I'm just more serious about thoughts and thinking and reflection. All that shit. Yeah. Josh, if he is going through something, I, I know I can call him and tell him I'm feeling a certain way or thinking a certain thing, and he will not fucking judge me. And he will do the same. He will call. It, it's so important to have those friends. You got to lean on those friends when it, whenever you're in one of those moments. Lean on your family. Yeah. Shit like that. So it's like, I'll call Josh and be like, I'm feeling kind of depressed today, and we'll talk about it. And he'll listen. And he gives good good feedback. He listens and he also gives uh, problem like problem solving things. Because I feel like dudes, we we inherently we hear a problem and we want to solve it. Mm -hmm. Women, from what I've encountered, sometimes they just want us to listen. They don't want us to offer solutions unless they ask for it. Yeah. Part of the way that women process things is just by feeling it, which is arguably more healthy. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're designed in a different way than us. Yo, I, I, as far as I'm concerned, females deal with shit better than men do for sure. They're able to co compartmentalize better. Yeah. Well, they, they, um, what's, what's the word for it? They, they process it better. Yeah. They process bad things better than And me. they can just get through it. Cause like, I don't know, as far as what I've seen, and this isn't like a for sure thing, but men, we, we dwell on things constantly sometimes, or I do. We can. We can. We're Especially if you're going through something. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? 
as men, the world doesn't give a fuck about us. No. I mean, when you're stuck on... It doesn't give a fuck what we're feeling or what we're thinking. When you're stuck on the side of the river, there's no... Nobody coming to help you. No. There is nobody. I mean, you've got to get yourself back offshore, you know? You just got to figure it out. That's what it is, dude. And um, sometimes, you know, good advice can go a long way. But if you're not willing to take the good advice, then there's no point in it anyway. Millhouse, that is one of the most important things you ever said. Dude, I mean, it's 100% true. Well, think about uh, just your interactions that you've you've had with me, with Zach, with Josh. Yeah. Where you're feeling those feelings and you're feeling down. And it's impossible to get through through to you sometimes in those moments. Yeah, I mean, and, and there's still times where you guys will say stuff. And I won't do it. And I know that I should do it. But sometimes it's just difficult, you know, and that goes back to like feeling a certain way, but not being able to actually do it. You know what I'm saying? Um, and eventually you just got to like figure it out, you know, and it, it takes time for sure. Cause I've been there multiple times in the last two years for sure. Yeah. I've just been on the, you know, well, the other thing to keep in mind is we were all 20 years old once. Yeah. And we didn't have an idea about anything. And and I have a friend that's very, very close. He just turned 19. And he he is going through the same stuff that I've gone through. Yeah. You know? And, and I can see it because I've been there. Yeah. And it was just like last year for me or two years ago. So when I see it, you know, I, I try to tell him, but it's like talking to myself because me as a young adult, sometimes we don't want to take advice like that because that's not what we that's not what our heart wants it's what our brain should do but it's not what our heart wants and there's a difference between what we should do and what we do and taking advice is sometimes very difficult especially when the advice cuts pretty deep oh yeah you know and it can be right in front of you yeah like uh like what we were talking about um we were talking about this last night uh, a good friend of ours said this was like, it's like putting salt on a wound. It'll heal. The, it'll help heal the wound, but it's going it to fucking burn. Like yeah. You know, but sometimes that's what you got to do. It's what you got to do. In yeah. Difficult moments. And I live, I think I, I, in a lot of ways I live for those moments where I'm looking for them and craving that adversity. You know, we talked about that earlier this year on the podcast where it's like, I'm looking for that chaos. Yeah. And in a lot of ways it excites me. In a way that not much does. It makes me feel alive and I feel emotion. Yeah. And it's thrilling for me. That's that's a dangerous game because sometimes I get like that, but I don't get like that with chaos. I get like that with, with like pain, like sadness, you know? It's like I, sometimes I'll, I'll crave that to be sad. And that's so <laughs> fucked up. That is so fucked up, dude. Like I will really like I, that's not even a joke. That's me being like 100 percent honest. It's like sometimes I'll be like, yeah, we're sad today. Like, yeah, like that's what's happening. Like we hate ourselves today. <laughs> it's fucked up. But, but what, you know? what, what do you do in those moments? Like, how do you snap out of it? I mean, sometimes I don't, man. And that's what's scary is like some sometimes it'll be like. Uh, a few days before I'm like, all right, you got to quit this shit. You got to quit. You can't do this anymore. You know? And, and sometimes I'll just get it in my head. It's like, yeah, we got to be sad right now. 
well, we're sad right now. And it's like something I can't necessarily control. Like I don't actively choose that, but like, that's just, you know, <laughs> it's true. No, man. I know. I know. I know. Um, I'm just thinking back to, to last year, whenever we were having, we were mad at each other. We were very frustrated <laughs> and I had COVID and all this shit was happening at the same time. And what I, what I learned from that situation was I just got to let him, I just got to let him do it. Cause he's not going to fucking listen. Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll get better about it. I'll, um, I've learned to kind of control it more. I don't know if it's a, I wouldn't necessarily call it a depression thing. <laughs> I wouldn't call it depression. That sounds like depression, dude. I mean, I don't know if I'd call it, maybe it is depression. Maybe it's like a low, low form of it, but. You know what Zach would say? What? You need to get your testosterone checked. Oh. Anytime, he, anytime uh, I'm starting to feel like depressed or I'm like, I don't really want to try and like go out and get laid right now. That's what he always used to say to me. Was you got to, you got to get your testosterone checked, and I'm like, fuck you, <laughs> dude. I, I feel like a lot of things can weigh on it for me as, as to why I have those feelings. It's like you know, like I moved here at 18. And That's young as fuck to go to an entirely new place, and and, not know anybody, and just be figuring yourself and, out. And if I spend too much time away from home, if I don't go back for a day or so. It really starts to weigh on me a little bit just because... Like home to West Virginia? Yeah, like home to West Virginia. If I don't go back to West Virginia, then sometimes I can feel that way a little bit. Or if I haven't been doing the things I need to do, then it will just build up until... Things will build up in life to a point to where it's got to go somewhere. All that emotion's got to go somewhere. And then I'm stuck with the few days that I'm like, okay, we're sad today. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I think it manifests itself for me in different ways when I'm not acknowledging really what it is that I'm feeling. It's uh, more of a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the soul for me. Mm -hmm. It sounds like in some ways that's what it is for you too, but um, it just gets destructive and I start to decay yeah. and tear myself apart. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I 100% get that, especially like the, the self-inflicted pain on that, you know, because like it's not necessarily that I'm wanting to conflict pain on myself. It's that that's the emotion I'm feeling. That's what I'm going through. So that's what's happening. Yeah. You know, and, and a lot of things can cause that. And I'm sure other people relate to that. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's the human the human experience. Well, I mean, just adult life in general has taught me that, I guess. That's that's the one thing that I've learned from adult life is that it's not fun. I mean, it's, you know. Well, it is fun, but you just learn to accept it for what it is along the way. Yeah, well, there's just so many things that I never thought like adult life would be. Like what? Well, I don't, I don't know. I just didn't consider, like when I lived back home and I was doing me there like you know because I kind of had an adult life but I was still living at home now that I'm 100% on my own yeah it's like the safety net is gone the safe the safety net's gone you know the bank of mom and dad are, is closed yeah um <laughs> um so it's like just living out here at 18 was really stressful you know and just like actively working on relationships with people that I work with professionally and friends and stuff like that's something that I never really thought about. I never really thought about that side of it and, and how to build relationships on that. Like I was never looking at that when I lived home and then I just moved here. Yeah. And before I thought about that, I already moved here. 
Um, and you were just experiencing it. Yeah. And it, it's a difficult thing to, it, it's kind of like, uh, I wouldn't say <laughs> gaslight, gaslighted is probably not the right term, but like, it's like when you don't expect something and, and then it's just happening. And so you have to deal with it right then. And that's basically what adult life's been for me. Yeah. Like that's what it is though. When you're at the stage of the game that you're at, where you're just learning how to do things yeah. and that's not a knock on you. It's just, everything is a new experience for you right now. Absolutely. It is. But you were able to look back and start drawing on some previous experiences that you had and you're like, this situation is not right for me. I don't want to be in it anymore. Yeah. I mean, that's important. And, and well, I mean, I won't exactly say that I've gotten that far yet, if I'm being honest, because I can, I can acknowledge it, but that doesn't mean that I'll do it. You know what I'm saying? But that's, that's your shit as a person. You know what I mean? That's what you're going to have to learn to deal with as time goes mm-hmm. on. And like I said, we all have our personal battles. What I said earlier about me being brash and abrasive and all that shit when I was young, um, I had to learn how to harness that beast. I, I That was a beast I learned how to conquer within myself where I don't purposely or unknowingly piss off a room full of people now. Yeah. I was great at that, dude. And sometimes it's effective. Yeah, I wish I had that skill a little bit. But something like that, dude, is a uh, a weapon. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And a weapon should only be used in self-defense. It should never be used to just wave around and show it to people. Yeah. I mean, you you have that as your weapon. I would say 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 my weapons the ability to cloak myself and become invisible or a chameleon, you know? And what do you think the upside to that is? I get along with anyone. I may not agree with them, but I can get along. But with, you can be pleasant with someone. I can be pleasant with them. Like if people that me and you've had bad encounters with would approach us. <coughs> they would like you and not like me. Yeah. Yeah. And that's typically how it goes. You know, but that's also not good for me, you know, because that goes back to the me not burning bridges that I definitely should have burned. Yeah. Because there's some bridges that should have been burned because if I don't burn them, it hurts other people that are around me. Yeah. You know, and that's not okay. But that's something you have to come to in your own time, though. Yeah, 100%. We change when the pain. So change comes in a couple different ways in life. Change can come out of nowhere in a situation you didn't ask for. Mm-hmm. That's the most common way. The other way, the way that I've been trying to approach my life really since I would say like 26, 27 is choose what that pain is going to be as best as possible and make myself uncomfortable in order to push past whatever that boundary is that I have as a person. Yeah. Yeah, we've, we've talked about change uh, quite a bit on the podcast, and it is, it, for me, that's the hardest part of adult life. That That is the hardest part of adult life is change. Because it gets easier, though. It, it's, it's either really unpleasant change, or, I mean, it's unpleasant, it's uncomfortable, sometimes it's emotionally dragging, and sometimes it's physically dragging, you know? Um and it, it is definitely the thing that I learned about adult life that's the hardest is 
when you go through a big change, whether it's like moving to a different city or a relationship with somebody very close ends, but you know, or a loved one passes away, you know? Yeah. And those are things that you can't always control. And one thing my dad really instilled in me was you can control your reaction. That's the only thing you can really control. Yeah. And that's some of the most valuable advice you ever gave me. Like, um, just throughout growing up, something bad would happen. He would always say it builds character or he would find the positive in the situation. Yeah. Glass half full. Yes. 100%. And I would say to a certain degree, I am a glass half full person. But um, there's also another side of me that's just a realist about whatever the situation is. I wouldn't consider myself a pessimist. Yeah. You know, we have friends that I would consider pessimists. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. You're more of the optimist type out of your friends, really. Yeah. (laughs) But, um, yeah, no, I, I, there's always that cliche of, uh, you know, an optimist says, the glass is half full. The pessimist says the glass is half empty. And then the realist picks up the glass and drinks whatever's left. Yeah. And I would say now on in this stage of my life that I'm more like the third. Mm. You're more of a realist. I try to be. Yeah. I don't always succeed. I, I would consider you a realist. I, I would can definitely consider myself... I would consider myself an optimist to, for the most part. I always try to see the good in whatever's happening. But sometimes, man, sometimes, you know, I really, I do become a pessimist. And I feel like the older I get, sometimes I can be a little bit more pessimistic than I might have been when I was 18 and moved here. That's what happens when you experience life. I mean, when, when the curtain's drawn and you see what's behind the curtain, it's hard to be optimistic about some things. The first casualty of adult life is innocence whatever life you had before no matter what it was your innocence gets killed yeah it can happen in a moment it can happen slowly i felt like uh my opt like my optimism really kind of dimmed down whenever i lost my first job in nashville you remember that yeah when that was going i feel like that was the first time that i was really let down by a lot of things in life because I was going full steam, trying my hardest and still failed. It wasn't good enough. It wasn't good enough. You just weren't cut out for it. No. And that is a natural part of life. I, it taught me a lot and looking back on it now, it taught me a lot. And you're grateful for it. Oh yeah, for sure. That's one thing that I would say that the most valuable information you've ever given me is to, to fuck up. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the most important thing I think that you've ever told me is to fuck up often um, in ways that you can learn from. Because well, your, your fuck-ups are the most important thing. At this stage in the game, like early, early adulthood, that's when your fuck-ups have the least... Uh, the least... Uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Repercussions. Yeah. The least damage, I guess. The least damage, yes, exactly. And like as I've gotten older, I've learned damage control for situations. Yeah. Where I know I can be like, okay, I can I can respond this way, and I can also think this way. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? 
Like, this can be what I'm thinking in the moment. I should say this, though. Because that's the pure emotion. Or this is what I'm feeling, and I can't roll with with that. Yeah. Because it's like, I let that emotion out. And you've, see, you've seen it when I get mad. Yeah. And I'm not necessarily like, I wouldn't consider myself an angry person per se. But... Um, Whenever I get mad about something, I let it out in the moment and then I move past it pretty quick. Yeah. You, you, I'm, I'm the opposite on that. I hold back anger. Um, I'll repress it pretty well. Uh, if I'm angry about something, I, you probably won't ever know. You know? But here's what I'll say to that. I know whenever you're angry. Yeah, but that's because we live together. Yeah, you know? I mean, yeah. <laughs> and, we're, and we're good friends, so it's like, yeah, you're going to know when I'm angry, or I'll tell you if I'm angry about something for the most part, but like the average person, if I get angry over something, they'll never know. No, not not in the moment, but that's something that you're also going to have to live with. Oh, you yeah. You have to live with that anger. And anger, anger and resentment, we talked about resentment a couple weeks ago and where it stems from. Um Anger is not an, an effective tool to use in life. Anger is natural, um, but I can't allow myself to get angry. I mean, there's shit I get angry about for sure. Yeah. Yankees lose. Yankees Yankees losing. That, that makes me mad People sometimes. stealing baseball cards out of packs. Yeah. That's all <laughs> shit. Like, that, that's like little shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's like I can – I can, that, that – that's like a, a pressure release and a valve for me. What would you say makes you the angriest? People talking publicly on their cell phones. Oh, on speaker? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, would, I mean, that doesn't bother me. I don't, I don't really listen or think about it. I'm usually in my own head whenever I hear somebody doing that. I'm usually talking to myself, so it's like... I think it's just a complete disregard for the other human beings that are around you. Yeah. But that goes back to my own shit mm-hmm. with lack of control. It's a character defect of mine. I don't have control in that moment. And what, it bothers me. What about people that eat ranch? I mean, it's, <laughs> it's offensive and it's disgusting. <laughs> and, uh, I don't want to go as far as saying they should be put into gulags, but if I was in charge, they wouldn't be walking free. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, that's funny. We will see you next week. This podcast is produced to you by Taylor Miller.